My name is Keith Beavers, and fun little um, Star Wars fact here for you. Yoda's original name was Buffy. <laughs> Look it up. What? What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Pair Podcasting Network? This is the Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers, and I am the, you guessed it, tasting director of Vine Pair. We have an interview for you guys today. We're going to kind of double down on the whole Nebbiolo thing. I want you to hear the voice of someone who makes wine there. Let's get into it. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Renato Ratti. I don't mean to play favorites, but I'm going to play favorites. I love this place. Made from the Nebbiolo grape, named after the famous town where it thrives, the wines of Barolo are some of the most age-worthy wines in the world. The aromas, texture, and structure are like no other wine on the planet, and these wines will add pleasure to any meal. I mean, let's face it, if you're eating food and enjoying Barolo... You're living life right. That's a fact. It's science. Okay, wine lovers. We've talked a lot about Piedmont, Nebbiolo, Barolo, Barbaresco, all of that. So I thought it'd be really cool to kind of wrap up this whole obsession of mine with an interview with an actual winemaker in Barolo, Pietro Ratti. Renato Ratti is the guy who actually started creating the maps that would become the MGAs or these loosely formed crew system of Piedmont, which has then been replicated throughout Italy. Pietro, Renato's son, is now running Ratti, and I got a chance to sit down and talk with him about his father's legacy, Barolo, the style, what it's like making wine there. I'll stop talking, ladies and gentlemen. Pietro Ratti. It's a work from home T-shirt. <laughs> cool, cool. So Pietro, one thing about. You and your family, something that I that I was really interested in is the thing about wine we always talk about, and I'm sure you say this a lot, um, wine always starts in the vineyard, right? And that means that wine is intrinsically tied to nature. It's tied to the land. It's tied to the vines, to the culture, to the hands that harvest, to the hands that make the wine. And your story, your family's story um, your father being an extremely towering figure in the region had the chance to travel. And as he was traveling and learning, he was absolutely called. I, it seems to me he was called back to where he's from to take what he learned and bring it home. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes a, it's a good question because that makes a good sense. Yes, my, my dad, uh, he, he traveled a lot when he was young. Uh, he, he, first of all, he came from a family of no makers and no vineyards, okay? We had a family of 
uh, his, his father. So my grandfather was a veterinarian and my great grandfather was a doctor. So it was a more family of doctors. And, but he studied uh, winemaking and, and, and viticulture, but then he was hired by Cinzano to, to make vermouth in Brazil. Okay. So he worked and lived in Brazil for 10 years. So first, Brazil, big country like America, you know, uh, very different from Italy. So <laughs> I think uh, Brazil opened his, 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 his uh, brain, his mind, his vision. Okay, so he got an opportunity, especially when you are 20, from 20 to 30 years old, really to learn a lot about a different country. Then uh, when he was in Brazil, of course, working for a big company like Cinzano, he was, he was lucky to, to visit. They took him to visit other uh, wine regions as South America, but also most of it was France. So he visited France in the, in the we talk about 60s, early 60s, mm-hmm. both Bordeaux and Burgundy. Oh. And there was, he made like, wow, now I go back home. Okay. I want to make my Barolo because that's the best wine from my region, from my area where I, I grew up. And I want to get, you know, I want to uh, make that uh, revolution of Barolo uh, following what the French, they already have done. Okay, so he, so he sees the way the wine is being made, the way the vines are being trained, and the way the agriculture is being practiced across the two pretty famous wine regions and says, this is how they're doing it. I'm taking this back home. Yes, viticulture, okay, of course, viticulture maybe uh, as training, as your, um, maybe the way of training, probably not because we come from an area that for hundreds of years, they've been working the vineyards the best, best, best way possible. So we, we have a tradition here of a very high level of, of viticulture. Uh, in terms of Guyot, in terms of Nebbiolo, in terms of, you know, uh, vineyard managing the vineyard. So uh, very, very old tradition. Uh, from uh, France, he brought uh, um, more the same, uh, other, other uh, elements like uh, uh, style of winemaking. Oh. So making wines more elegant. Never forget that Nebbiolo is a tiny grape. So if you uh, keep on the skins, a tiny grape, if you keep on the skins, so we call it maceration mm-hmm. for a long time, more you wait, more tanning you get. So at some point, the tanning becomes so big that there is, then you need to age in oak to mature the tanning for long, too long time. So uh, the, the Barolo made in, the, in, the, in that time, we talk about this, the 60s was a Barolo very difficult to drink because too, too long maceration. Mm. Uh, and it was also a wine more as a gift rather than to drink. Oh, gosh, <laughs> so okay. Christmas, Christmas <laughs> gift or an anniversary gift, okay? Because oh. it was very precious. So mm. it was, people knew that Barolo was an important wine, but was not drunk, was not appreciated as a wine to drink. And oh. my father, so... From France, he got the, the, the idea to short the maceration, short the aging, the aging, in order to make the wine more elegant, accessible, nice to drink, mm-hmm. young, after you know the classic four or five years of, of, of aging, and then to, to keep it also for a long time. Okay, that makes complete sense now that you're talking about it, because 
because the the thing about your father is when he did come back and he started to, you know, when his eyes were opened, the vineyards were already there. So he decides, okay, what about these vineyards are special? And this is a big deal in a place like Barolo and a place like Piedmont in general um, because it's such a storied place and it has no IGT, only DOC and DOCGs in Piedmont. So he sees these vineyards as special and he starts to understand the idea of a single vineyard. Is this how this worked? He's like, this is a special place. I'm going to make a wine from this one vineyard. And then he begins to understand, wait a second, what if we start mapping these single vineyards? Yes, exactly. So from, from Burgundy, he realized that concept because he said, well, Nebbiolo is, is really, not because, remember, not all grapes, uh, they get a very strong influence from the terroir right. in a short distance, in a short distance. And he says, Nebbiolo is a grape that really, that is the best of, of all the grapes to get that influence. Right. And like Pinot Noir and Burgundy. So he said, why don't we, we should do the, single vineyard. So he, he fell in love with this vineyard that he first uh, purchased in, in, in La Morra, just below the Abbey of Annunziata. And, uh, and he started to make this first Barolo. The, the name of, of that uh, area uh, was a vineyard was Marcenasco. He, he made this uh, Barolo Marcenasco in 1965. And, and, and also the, it was very fascinating the fact that at the beginning, he didn't even put the name Barolo on the label, just the name of Marcenasco. Oh, cool. It's a French. So <laughs> he put the Barolo on the back like, label. That was a little bit too, too strong. Strong, to forward thinking, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so was, uh, the market was not ready for that. But And then he started, of course, mapping because he said, in a region like Barolo, we need a map. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine that at that time, we talk about, again, about the 60s, that there was no map. Yeah. I mean, there were the borders. There was, a, the, you know, the borders inside the, the roots of, of Barolo and Barbaresco, the appellation system. Mm-hmm. So saying, okay, there's a road, the vineyard inside this road, the commune, you know, or the border, but not a map. My father said, we need to draw a map. And he drew this the map of Barolo, and he drew the map of the single vineyards, the best historical single vineyards of Barolo. And then later, he also made a classification of quality because he said, uh, not all vineyards are the same because there are vineyards that because of the soil, exposition, altitude, microclimate, they're better than others. So he made this unique uh, classification of like in a Burgundy way, like a Grand Cru Premier Cru. Oh, he did. So he had a, tier, a two, like a two-tier system actually with the crew. So he had like a, a Premier and a Grand Cru idea within. I mean, this is, I mean, I just want to let my listeners know how important this is because you know, we all talk about Pinot Noir and we talk about terroir and, you know, the history is basically right there. The chaotic soil of Burgundy and the Massif and um, the monks having all the time in the world to understand this thing called terroir. And then we've kind of blossomed from there. I just love him because Nebbiolo is happens to be my favorite grape. Um, I love the fact that your father is uh, responsible for expressing the terroir of the land through mapping. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. And did he, when he, when you have these vineyards that are special and in your, in your sort of, you're, you're, you're making wines from these special places and you, you harvest these grapes. What are the kind of innovations in the winery 
that he did he bring any ideas back from France from not Vitty culture but Vinny culture or the wine making process? Uh, uh, yes, because if you make a single vineyard uh, at the at the time of my dad or at our time now. Uh, you need a technique very, um, uh, I would say, light, light, not invasive. So in order to express really the, the terroir, the grapes, the vintage also, because, you know, never never forget that every wine is different because every vintage is different. So uh, you, you really want to express that. So instead of blending from different sides, different uh, places to make the wine always more even, uh, vintage by vintage, uh, which is a very interesting technique also. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm not saying that the, the, the two techniques, they coexist uh, very, very well. Uh, but if you if you want to make a, express really the terroir of a place, you need to have, a, 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 again, a vinification very, very gentle. And my, my father at that time, again, he, sh he, short, he shorted the, the, the um, uh, maceration way to 15, 20 days. Because if you, again, if you make it too long, maybe it's too tiny, then the tiny over, overtake the, um, the personality. Right, right. Okay, the fruit goes of, of the vineyard. So you need, but, oh, but remember that every winemaker in Barolo, Barbaresco, you know, we talk about, you know, top place in, in Italy, every winemaker knows his vineyards. Right. And knows the best way to express it. So it's not, there is not a, a, a rule, there is not a recipe. Everyone has his own uh, recipe because everyone knows what, by experience, what's the best way to, to make the best wine from that place. So one thing when I was reading about, when I was reading your story, one thing that came up was the uh, quote that I found where was, where Renato rebelled, Pietro refined. What, is, what I just, I, that quotes that, that stuck out to me when I was reading about this. I was just wondering what, what that means. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a strong <laughs> quote. I, uh, I, of course, my father uh, passed away in 88. Okay. So I, I joined the winery at that time in, uh, in 88. So I followed uh, his, his, his vision, his way, his style. Of course, adapting uh, to the change of, of climate, to the change of, of time, to many, to the change of techniques, also technology, something that we will, we, of course, uh, you know, in the wine, a lot of things have changed in, the, in, in 30 years time. Eh? So, uh, so in, in that way, uh, I, I try to really, I never worked with my father when I was young because he passed away, I was 20. And mm. until 20, I went to school. So <laughs> I learned right. a lot uh, <laughs> of theory, but not a lot of uh, <laughs> real wine. Of course, uh, I, I, I knew he was a very talented winemaker with a lot of a lot of ideas. But uh, so what, what I learned a lot about him and what he has done after reading, studying, talking, everyone, you know, a lot of stories about him, what he has done and in tasting. Remember, when you taste a wine, you understand what there is behind the wine. Of course, then I am a winemaker, so tasting wine is even more. I know, wow, what is doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a it's a way, but also for people, anyone can taste wine. You need to under, 
there is a lot behind the wine. And tasting is the final way to learn what 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 the winemaker is trying to do the the, the, the vineyards have, tr- have, have tried to uh, to show so i there's in america when we learn about barolo um it's often very quickly the 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 idea of the two different styles of barolo come about a lot on the american market and a lot of my listeners they sometimes will ask me about this They'll say, Keith, there's this, I hear there's a modern style of Barolo, Barolo and there's a traditional style of Barolo, and what does that even mean? So I would, I just wanted to ask you about this and if you're, you know, where, where you guys stand in this, because it seems to me your father was more on the refined sort of traditional side. And I think that it sounds to me that he actually did the work of the finesse and sort of the skill of traditional ease, like you said, like not like shorter macerations, like giving the fruit a little bit more room to express itself. And just want to want from somebody who's actually been there and seen it. I was just wondering if you could kind of just, you know, talk about that. Uh, Yes. My, my father, his time was, uh, of course, he was a a modernist in his time compared to, again, to this very long maceration, whatever, to try to express more, more the place. Also, we come from La Mora. Our Barolo from La Mora is more elegant anyway, more right. floral. So we want to, to express that. So he, he, all his technique was was adapted to that to those vineyards. Uh, the traditionalists and, and, and modernists later on, more than the 90s with the Barolo boys, the movement, was a very uh, interesting also marketing <laughs> right <laughs> way because everyone was talking about this and where are you staying so always a good way to talk uh, today we moved we moved uh, uh, over this uh, way of of uh, dividing the style the style is much more a mix of the two and again we go more for um, every winemaker is his own way to to uh, to, to learn his vineyards and to adapt the technique. So there is no, no longer that uh, extreme division. Right. It's more today where the Barolo comes from, La Mora. Wow, elegant, again, floral, more accessible. Serra Lunga, wow, more powerful, stronger, uh, more massive. So it's a Barolo that needs more time. Okay, so it's more the place really uh, that is. Uh, talking more than the style. All the world is, 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 is going back in that. It's not just Barolo. Uh, it's everywhere, uh, everywhere where there is a more, you know, way to, um, to go back a little bit, you know, more, more uh, light, light, lighter mm-hmm. uh, touch, gentle, right. okay? And of course, for us, we have Nebbiolo, which is an extremely elegant uh, grape. I mean, uh, so it's our our challenge. Our challenge is another one: is to keep the same uh, while uh, in a global warming. Oh yeah, uh, mo- mo- moment. That's that's a challenge today. Right. So so you heard it here. On Wine 101 listeners, it's not about the dividing line between styles. It's about listening to the land, listening to your wine, basically. Taste, taste, taste. 
Um, I also, so, you know, this, this thing about this map, it, it's an amazing, I, I really too find it really a, like when you, if you're reading about the history of Barolo, I just find this to be an extremely important moment in history of this region. And I'm wondering where, where's the map? <laughs> now we have the map. Okay. Uh, there is a map also on the website that people can look at. Oh, great. We have a lot of maps here. People, they can, they can get, if they, they need, we can send it. So it's no problem uh, because the map is available, of course. Uh, and never forget that that map was, was officially uh, recognized by the appellation system in, in 2010. I was wondering about that. When, was that connection? There's a connection to, to the MGA 2010. The, yes, of course. Of course, because those names that my father, because my father put the, put the map he drew was, was very uh, correct. No, you know, like <laughs> uh, parcels was very, very well made. So the name, putting the names on it, the size, everything like that. So, so in 2010, when we all the producers, all the, the growers, we got together and we said, well, now we need to make it official. Of course, we mapped everything. My, my father, he mapped 44 single vineyards. We mapped the whole region of Barolo. So with 170 official single vineyards uh, that we call, uh, you know, MGA, basically. Yeah. And what does MGA, what does the, what does MGA mean again? The mean is that uh, there's a classic uh, bureaucrat, uh, <laughs> the, the bureaucratic uh, uh, Italian way of making uh, things. So, so this, the French, they call cru. Mm -hmm. uh, in America, you call single vineyards. In, in Italian, we call menzione geografica aggiuntiva. And as a acronym, we, can, we, we know we say a little bit more simply MGA, yeah. but more simply single vineyards, right. but official designated single vineyards. So there is a, a size, a border, uh, there is a, the quantity is more limited because every, every single vineyard can be a bit larger, smaller, depends, but there is a limit. Before there was no limit, there was a name on a map, but was not a official uh, limit. So, right. but again, uh, to arrive to, to have such a division like that officially, because remember that the, the appellation systems is something official, uh, shared by all the producers. is made by the producers, not made by someone else. But it's made by the producers. So it's a big, uh, uh, it's a very important uh, moment, you know. And 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 to to arrive to have, uh, to have those vineyards officially on a map, and with official size, is because again someone behind behind before in time has been working on that. So it's a. Uh, we, are, we already had the 40, 50 years of wow. tradition in that way. So we were mature to make a, 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 an important uh, step in that, in that way. And you currently have, um, Rati has single vineyard Barolos as well. How many single vineyards do you guys make? Now we have, we have many single vineyards, but as la labeled, Right. Labeled so that we keep separately because a few we blend, we blend cool. in Lamor in within Lamora because you can also make a, a, a commune, no? Mm -hmm. So from the same commune, the same town. So we have Marcenasco is a is like a commune. Okay. So it's a blend of four vineyards, but in a one one mile distance. So we talk about small area. Then we 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 have a very small tiny vineyard which is called Conca. 
okay. uh, which is 0 0.7 hectares uh, or less than one hectare. Wow. So two acres. Okay. That's really small. Very, very small. <laughs> then we have a Rocche dell'Annunziata, uh, which we have one hectare. And then lately we also released a new single vineyard uh, called Serra Denari, uh, up in Lamore at a higher elevation. So compared to where we are, the other vineyards that are about 900 feet, now we have a vineyard about 1,300 feet, which maybe you say, ma, but it's not a big difference. But in the latitude where we are, 45th parallel, near the mountains, it's a big difference in microclimate from uh, 900 to 1,300. Yeah, the geography of this, of the Longue is pretty pretty significant you know the hills the you know the 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 soil it's it's another thing about this area is it you know they we talk about burgundy and its chaotic soil because of the massive and the alluvial fans and everything that that fell from that upheaval back in the day a long 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 time ago but i you know the Longue was once a sea is that correct yes we are under the sea remember uh, at some point uh, you know when africa moved Mm -hmm. out from South America, <laughs> he made a, a big move <laughs> and, and, and arrived to, uh, to us and, and pushed the Alps going up, out. So okay. uh, the Africa moved, rotated, moved, the Alps came up, and the Mediterranean Sea was a lake, so it was locked, a lake. So a lake with a tropical, uh, basically tropical <laughs> climate. So a very, very strange time. And then finally opened up, the, the, the Gibilterra, so the Mediterranean, the water went away and we had finally salty water coming in and the water so went down and the Lange Hills, they, they were the bottom of the sea, basically. That's then, amazing. of course, a lot of erosion by, by, by uh, storms, uh, rain. And so that's why we have these beautiful, uh, very irregular hills uh, and, and with, with multiple soils also, even, even though we have a, ma a main... Uh, uh, we can say that it's from, from, from water, from salty water. So it's calcareous, salty, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. So very good for, to make, uh, you know, uh, complex uh, wines. Uh, and also it's a mix of clay, limestone, which we uh, call basically the mix of the two, marl. Marl, marl. right, the, right. The, the type of, 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 and then you can have more, more, more gray, more yellow, more, more white, uh, uh, soils and this very very uh, interesting way of, of of having soils very different creates the the, the, the wines very the barolo very different from village to village so every village is on basically almost every village is, is on soil and uh, and and so his own style of uh, of barolo and that's why I wanted that's how I wanted to I'm so this is how I wanted to wrap this up because that's what's amazing is the earth does what it does. And then wine regions appear not from just massive upheavals, but also from the draining of, of water. And you have these hills with these varying soils. And I just think it's a really great way to wrap this up saying that it was your father who saw that and said, wait a second, there are such varying soils in this region that we need to start mapping this area. Why aren't we doing this? It's time to do this. And I just think that's so great that that was part of it. Yes, because he, he mapped, he put the names, he put the size, he put the, the, the value, 
But he also put in, in a book he wrote, I mean, a small book, he also put uh, some elements about saying, ah, the bottle from this vineyard has these flavors, you know, like... Uh, oh, so cool. Okay. The, the, the soy, because he made a research on the soil, of course, said this is more magnesium, this is more... He didn't make himself, but he had someone doing it for him. And then he right. said, wow, this soil is more iron, this one is more magnesium, this is more violet, this is more uh, mint. Amazing. <laughs> so Amazing. it was very... So it was not just... Uh, the the ob ob objective, uh, I would say, like the soil, microclimate, but also the glass. So, <laughs> what what this wine? Uh, what, what what do we find in this uh, in the Barolo from uh, Rocche della Nunziata? Right. Ah, oh, we found uh, rose, rose petal. Oh wow! You know. Uh, so that's a, that's a, the, the, the the last uh, step. You know, first you say wow, and then from the last you go back to the to the first step. Why, why we have the uh, rose uh, petals? Ah, maybe because, okay, now we know that there is, besides the clay lime, so we have also more sand. And the sand uh, that makes this. So he was really, a, he walked uh, all the region. <laughs> he walked wow. every vineyard. And then he, he talked to all the growers, to the winemakers, to the uh, everyone and then he tasted all this wine so it was a big a big work it was not a, a also because uh, to make something like that you know to, to draw it and to say this is the map you need to be very strong you know yeah, and, uh, yeah. what you what you think but also but again he had a very strong background of, of studying uh, that was also him he studied everything he did he studied for it so it was not just was of course an idea, but behind that, a lot of work. I remember him when we were kids, locked in his room of, of full of books, studying Saturday, Sunday. So he spent a lot, a lot of time to do that because he wanted to. He was a serious, like in a way, where he says, "If I do something, I want to be uh, right in what yeah, I of do, course. not just oh, an idea." <laughs> right, and that's why it made such an impact. You know, I mean, he yes. he didn't just say, let's make a map. You know, he said, <laughs> let's do this. So, well, I mean, I, I just, and it's just amazing. You're carrying on, carrying on his legacy. Your wines are wonderful. And um, thank you for sharing them with me. I had a chance to taste them. They're stunning. And as they open up, it just get, they just get better and better. Nebbiolo has this beautiful, amazing ability, like some of the best wines in the world as it open it wasn't when it opens up new, new layers just, just come up and it's wonderful. But I really appreciate you taking the time with me today because I wanted to talk to somebody, not only who's from there, but who had an impact on the region. So thank you so much, Pietro. Thank you. No, thank you. It was a very good uh, opportunity to talk about, uh, my father and also what we are doing now at Rati. Yes. And wine listeners, please check out Rati. You can find it. It's awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. That's a bit of a history. I mean, it's history right there. This is, I just talked to the winemaker who is the part of the family that began the, what would be called, what's called the crew system, the MGA system of Piedmont and Barolo, which actually, like I said, has been replicated throughout the country. So I hope this episode, with all the other Nebbiolo-friendly episodes that we have here on Wine 101, you have an absolute, complete understanding of the grape, 
the place, the terroirs. I'll talk to you next week. Vine Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. E&J Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pairs Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide spectrum of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wine. Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but this is a wine podcast. Whether you are new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. Visit thebarrelroom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.